Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbot. What up, what up? And Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. That is me. I, I almost prefer you would say I'm the only father and instead of Stinky Fingers. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. also learning to become a priest, too, right? Um, in the wrong religion, probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, if we sound a little different, it's because we are virtual today, um, doing a little traveling for work, so we had to hop on the, the virtual scene and not do it in person, unfortunately, so probably doesn't sound as sweet, but the show will still be as sweet, so stay tuned. Um, today, we're covering the AFC West. So we're going to go kind of division by division and talk about each fantasy-relevant player on all the teams within that certain division. Um, And, yeah, kind of give our outlook on those teams. And we're starting with arguably the best – well, no, they are the the best division in football right now going into the 2022 season. Certainly the most talent and the most fantasy-relevant players. So starting off with a bang here, definitely an episode – you don't want to miss. Are, are we um, – so we're going to go through every division, maybe two divisions per week. But either way, that's how we're kind of finishing out the offseason, right? Is that where our plan is? Yeah, that's kind of the the plan. Um, you know, we'll talk about sleepers and stuff like that as we go along. Uh, but for today, we're just focusing on the AFC West. Um, a lot to talk about in this division, and then we'll – cover the other divisions in, in uh, the episodes to come in the future. So uh, let's get it started. Uh, we'll start with a little bit of news, though. Uh, some big news did break. Um, what was that, two days ago now? Zay, Baker Zach Mayfield. Wilson is fucking his friend's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that one. Yeah, Trey jumped the gun. We were con- maybe going to touch on that at the end, but if you've been on twitter the last couple days you've definitely heard some zach wilson news um which let me just say i'm you know what he's my qb in dynasty and um the the future is bright the future is bright (laughs) off the field yeah well i mean (laughs) Hey, he's still in your mom. But like, is anybody really surprised by this? He took two BYU cheerleaders to his senior prom. He wasn't even at BYU yet. Pretty legendary. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. They don't have prom. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. I didn't go to college. Cheerleaders, it's crazy. I was like, wait, well, he's a senior also, but never mind. <laughs> um. In on the field news, Baker Mayfield to the pan or yeah, Baker Mayfield to the Panthers for a conditional fifth round pick. Um, how we feeling about this Baker move? Does it move the needle for you at all uh, for those fantasy assets in Carolina? Mostly DJ Moore. Um, honestly, yeah, I think so. I think Baker is is going to win out the competition pretty handily um, over Sam Darnold. Uh, I think he is a big boon to the offense in general, um, and including Christian McCaffrey. If he stays healthy, I'm going to assume he's going to see a lot of 
you know, looks and targets out of the backfield. So I, I like, I like them taking the, taking the risk, especially for the Panthers. I mean, you're giving him a fifth round pick and you're paying him like $4 million is all you're paying him this year. Cause the Browns picked up the rest of it essentially. So, I mean, it's like no risk for them. Plus it's one year. Like this is perfect for them. Trey, any thoughts? You, uh, I, I got thoughts. I got thoughts. Yeah. It'd be a little awkward with us interchanging here since it's been like half a year since we did this, but um, what do you guys think about the Robbie Anderson thing? Did you see that, like, on Instagram when uh, it was posted that the Panthers were rumored to trade for him, and he commented, and he was like, "Oh no!" And <laughs> yeah. So it's not that doesn't matter. Like, it is what it is. I don't think it really matters. I'm sure they squashed the beef already. I mean, obviously, it makes Robbie look bad because he has to. He had to immediately come out and apologize for it, but I don't think it's a big deal. It's not going to matter anything in the long run. Would you draft him? Robbie Anderson. No. I don't care who his quarterback was. I would have drafted him anyways. Not at all. Not even like the end of the draft. I mean, maybe at the end, but like, I mean, come on. That's not a guy that you're expecting to be a game changer for you. Yeah, um, I definitely would not draft Robbie Anderson. And I'm even with the Baker move, I do think Baker's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. Um probably significantly better, but that's not saying much because I think Sam Darnold's pretty terrible. I'm still not interested in DJ Moore either. I think at his ADP, um, I'm just – I want to avoid this whole situation. I could see a really shitty year ahead for the Carolina Panthers, which isn't a great outlook for Christian McCaffrey either, but um, Christian's still so talented that even on a shitty offense with not a great quarterback, he can still give you 20-plus a week without even scoring touchdowns, So, as long as he's healthy. Um, but I don't want to play the games with this receiving core. I'm just – I'm out on that. I will look elsewhere. Somebody's got to eat, though, right? Even on a bad team, especially if they're playing from behind. If you didn't Christian McCaffrey is his name. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, I mean, DJ Moore, I think the, the word is out already on him in the fantasy world. Everyone knows what he's capable of. And he should deserve more. I, I would take player. a I would take a late flyer on him. Yeah, he's a talented player. I'm just sick of waiting on it, and I'm not gonna. I don't want to play that game week to week with DJ Moore, especially at the cost that you're drafting him. I'm I'm okay with that. I think there's other players in that you know realm that can give you more consistency. Is that our only thoughts? Moving on. Um, yep. I disagree, but yeah. All right, we'll draft him. Uh, Nikhil Harry traded to the Bears for a seventh-round pick. So that's cool. Um, Rob Gronkowski (laughs) is retiring. Uh, Says he's focusing on other business um, outside of football. So we'll see if that remains true. But for now, Rob Gronkowski's out. Are we even in the I mean, what? I mean, okay. So going back to Nikhil Harry real quick. I mean, he's automatically going in as being like the receiver two there. He needed a change of scenery. Maybe him and Justin Fields could create some type of bond, but you're obviously still not drafting him. Um, he has a first round pedigree for a reason. So like there, there is that. And hopefully he can resurrect his career a little bit, but he's not going to be, I don't think he's, he's got to be a fancy asset by any means. Byron Pringle. Velas Jones, 
Equinemius St. Brown. These are his competitors. I know. I'm saying he's going to be the receiver, too, but he was a receiver one in, in New England. How did that work out? It's New England. No one's been good since Randy Moss. Yeah, but, okay, like, the Bears are a better offense right now? The no, Bears haven't been since 1985. And the same aspect of talking about the Panthers, if you think a team is going to be bad, they're going to be playing from behind, which means they'll be throwing the ball. To Mooney. Okay. Maybe I'm just like a, a fantasy football kind of like crab or shrimp. I'm just eating all the detritus on the bottom of the ocean. Like I just like, <laughs> I think up all like these shitty players from shitty offenses because they end up they end up being somewhat serviceable at certain times. They can be at least. I mean, honestly, with Nikhil Harry, that's gonna be one of those ones where like I'm not gonna make a move on him until I see him put production on the field first. I'm not going to try to be the first one there because that's just going to bite you in the ass, I think. Yeah, to that's me, a good he's a waiver wire guy. Like, something happens and you need a wide receiver, go pick him up off the waiver wire. But I'm not drafting him. I have no – I don't think anything happens with this. Well, I don't either, but it's – watch list is, like, the first thing that came to my mind. It's like someone I want to put on my watch list. Someone that I have on you know this list of thirty to forty guys I'm interested in, but really, it who fucking knows what they're gonna do. That's fair. We um, have a watch list episode. A what? A watch list episode. People we want to put on our watch list that are capable, but not really. But that's a whole that's a whole different story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying though, we we have all of us have guys on our watch list that we, we probably don't even want to talk about it to each other. That we know are capable, but well, yeah, those are our diamonds in the rough. <laughs> yeah, but the watch list helps you win championships. That's why it I can. don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> God damn it! Anyways, uh, Jimmy G, the Seahawks reportedly have been speaking about seeing, or they could see Jimmy G being um, a starter for them. If something were to happen and, and somehow the 49ers actually did trade Jimmy G or cut him and the Seahawks pick him up, um, would that increase your interest um, for DK or Tyler Lockett this year on that Seattle Seahawks offense versus them sticking to uh, Drew Locke or um, the other one? Geno <laughs> Smith. Um, Disrespect. I know. Um, well, yeah. In terms of in terms of like DK and Tyler, yeah, I think Jimmy G is a huge improvement over both those guys. Um, for fa- for fancy birds, you know things. I mean, that's that's huge. Honestly, I mean, we don't know what Drew Lock really is. We know he throws a lot of interceptions, but we know exactly who Geno is. Geno Smith ain't shit. So, I mean, it's Jimmy G helps that. I mean, as a Seahawks fan, I hope they don't go for him because I'd rather get a high draft pick and get our quarterback of the future next year. But it's a different discussion. Has Jimmy Garoppolo ever, like, I'm looking at it right now, his highest position finish ever in fantasy football is 14 in 2019. Yeah, and how is that compared to Drew Locke and Geno Smith? A lot fucking better. Drew Locke, maybe I'm going on a limb here, might have a higher ceiling than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, Oh, no, I agree with you there. I think Drew Locke has a ceiling, but who knows if, they're, if the Seahawks can be able to pull it out of him. Um, and that's why I'm saying, like, I'd rather roll the dice with Drew Locke, and if it goes bad, great, then we get a top five pick next year. Let's go get our, our quarterback of the future. Um, and you know, sorry for wasting a year of DK and Tyler, but it is what it is. 
I'll just say this. Everything that I've heard from any reputable source in the NFL, obviously I'm just listening to people who talk about shit, kind of like we're doing right now. But like, why would the, the, the 49ers let him go to the Seahawks unless they release him, which means they have to do that somewhere early in the season. If they do it later in the year or later in the offseason, you know, he still has to go to training camp and do all that stuff. By that point, Drew Locke, obviously not as good as a quarterback right now, has he's got the upside because he's been there this whole damn time. In uh, you know mini camp and at that point training camp, like the 49ers are going to hold out as long as possible to see if anyone's interested. But the shoulder surgery is making them not interested. Right. So, I mean, yeah. he's gonna, once he's he passed waivers, and if an injury happens to a starting quarterback someplace else, then Jimmy G will get moved immediately. Uh, but yeah, I, I think if that does, if, I'm gonna say if that trade does happen, it definitely boosts the prospects of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf for this season versus where they are right now. Well, as a Seahawks fan, would you really want him to be on your team? You you guys might as well tank right now. No, that, that's what I'm saying. I would rather not do it and just see if we get a top five pick next year because our quarterback situation sucks. I'd rather do that than take a Jimmy G flyer for one year. But Pete's about, what, 85 years old, man? Clock's ticking. He's uh, He wants to win now. <laughs> Shit, man, he might have more energy than every coach in the league, so I, I'm okay with it. Sure. Him and Joe Biden are cousins, apparently. Powerful men that are way too fucking old. <laughs> All right, let's I get right into the NFC West. They're too fucking old. Let's get into the AFC West. Uh, let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs, 12-5 and five last year. Obviously, some moves being made uh, in the offseason. They lost Tyreek Hill uh, to the Dolphins. But they added Ronald Jones, uh, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Let's start. Um, let's start with Mahomes. Right now, Patrick Mahomes' uh, ADP of thirty-four and a half. That's quarterback two off the board right now. Um, he finished as the QB four in twenty twenty-one. What's your outlook on uh, Patrick Mahomes and kind of where he stands right now in in ADP and, and drafts. Can I just start off with my controversial Mahomes opinion? Sure. Because of his ADP, um, you guys probably remember better than I do because my memory is horrible, but his ADP is still pretty high, right? He's going in like the third, fourth round? Third round. Yeah, he's up there with Josh Allen, which in my mind this year, it makes no sense to me. He's losing Tyreek Hill, and the target share between him and um, Travis Kelsey is ridiculous. It's basically the entire offense when it comes to passing. Like I, I, I'm so low on Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's gonna have like a bad year, but it's not someone worth drafting that early. Like, do you, do you guys kind of see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna draft him in the third round for someone who's gonna finish probably top ten, but he's not gonna be top three, top five. It, it makes no sense to me. Um. Now I'm not. I don't know. If I'm gonna put. Mahomes that far down, like, is only getting the top 10. I think he's still a top five quarterback, pretty much locked um, regardless. But I'm with you in terms of drafting him in the third round. I'm not doing that. That's my philosophy of quarterbacks in general. Um, I mean, the fifth round is kind of like the earliest I like to draft a quarterback. I think there's too many other valuable positions. Um, But for those people that like to build their offense around the quarterback, then I don't think you can necessarily go wrong between – you know, if you're in the third round, you, have, you also have Justin Herbert there going in the third round as well. I think either one of those guys you're okay with if that's what the way you like to build your roster. 
Yeah, I would um, I would suggest not doing that. <laughs> I think this year more than ever, there's more quarterbacks deeper um, in, in drafts, and I think we all are in agreement that you know. Mahomes without Tyreek Hill, the first year without Tyreek Hill, that's a very expensive um, ticket to go ahead and cash uh, for for Patrick Mahomes this year when you can still get really, really talented running backs and receivers in the third round. Um, Patrick Mahomes, since his emergence in the NFL, has never been on any of my fantasy teams because he's always drafted super early, and he always finishes early. But for me, this is just way too expensive this year. I still think you'll be okay, like Tyler said. Um, hopefully you get lucky on some other pieces. But, yeah, for me, quarterback uh, this early, the only one I would consider right now is Josh Allen. And even then, um, still probably not going to happen. Would you draft Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes? Well, I mean, you can get Lamar in the fifth, sixth round. So, yeah, at that point in the fifth, sixth round, like Tyler said, then I'm thinking about taking guys like um, Kyler, Lamar, Jalen Hurts even in the sixth round. Um, I like those. I like that spot because you, you fill out kind of your running backs, your receivers a little bit. At least you get some really key players in. And then you get a difference maker at quarterback later in the draft. So, but not in the third even round. Even right no. now still have like, – yeah, exactly. You even still have a guy like Russell Wilson going in the seventh who we expect yeah. to have a big back year with all the weapons he has in Denver. So, yeah, I, I'm, I think we're all in the green area. Like, like James said, that you know the third round is just too rich for any quarterback outside of Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I got some numbers for you guys, okay? Last year, obviously, Andy, Andy Reid, he's been the coach for, like, what, eight, nine years now in Kansas City, also the play caller, blah, blah, blah. So last year out of, uh, what, let me see here, 525 targets, Tyreek Hill had 159, and Travis Kelsey had 135. Let me see what the math is that I did here. They combined for 274 of them. 274 targets out of the 521, and it's a huge drop-off after that. It goes on to Miko Hardman, Byron Pringle, like in the 80 to 60 target range. Uh, the running backs are pretty low in targets. Darrell Williams, who is kind of filling in for Clyde, you know, like it was kind of like a weird 50-50 mix. You know, Clyde edwards Slayer missed like five or six games last year. But uh, very low target share for running backs in an Andy Reid offense. Like, and Tyreek Hill is gone now. And with the introduction of Juju, I, I just I, – I, who's going to be that next person? I, I really feel bad. Like, I, I, I don't have high hopes for this offense, which is pretty crazy to say. And I know I'm a Raiders fan. Maybe I'm being a hater. But like, I'm, I'm approaching it realistically, I think. Yeah. No, um – you know, I, I guess let's let's talk about these other receivers real quick since Trey kind of segued into that. So Sky Moore, ADP of 133 right now. He's wide receiver 59. MVS, ADP of 132. So they're right next to each other, wide receiver 56. Um, and then Juju's ADP of 79, wide receiver 35. For me, um, I, think, I think it's going to be a, a, a mixed bag uh, between these guys. I don't think there's really – Unless Sky Moore really comes out and is dominant, um, I think the disbursement disbursement of targets and receptions between these three guys is going to be so evenly like spread out that you're not going to get much fantasy relevance out of any one three of them. So 
for me, I, I haven't been drafting these guys um, in mocks or anything like that. I'm just not targeting them right now. Um, maybe take a shot on Sky Moore, but, you know, and, and there is sleeper potential there for MVS, but we still have yet to see him really put a full uh, portfolio together outside of just being a speed guy, burning down the field. Um, so I think it's going to be heavily Travis Kelsey, which still makes him worth, you know, um, an early second round tender. If you, if you want to take that shot again, no more Tyreek Hill. I think they're going to, you know, obviously going to utilize him a lot. So you could still get that upside of that elite um, tight end value out of him. But the rest of these receivers, I I think it's going to be spread out a lot between the three. Yo, you're a Green Bay fan, and I've watched a million football games with you over the last few years. We've seen MVS a million times get open, open up the end of the field, whatever. He's got Aaron Rodgers, who, as we know, is he can put it wherever he wants to put it as far as putting the football and his dick. That's a different story, though. And... <laughs> And MVS continues to drop the ball. It, it honestly made me lose all faith in him watching those games with you. Every time I'm watching games with you, this guy's wide open. He has a chance for a deep play, and he drops the ball unexplainably. The only way I can see MVS turning this around is with Patrick Mahomes' uh, mobility. And, you know, with the extra time, that you, you get to run around, you know, the quarterback's on you for like five-plus seconds. Then you're wide open, and you basically have to catch the ball. But even then, I, I mean, come on. But I'll just say this, kind of lead into Tyler here. Like, we love Sky Moore, don't we? Hell fucking yeah, I do. I'm yes. going to jump the table for Sky Moore all offseason. Like, this is crazy to me. He's going to be a top 30 receiver this year, guaranteed. I think he's going to fight for a top 20 finish. Oh, God. He's going to take most of the, of the targets that Tyreek had. And he's not Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying that. But he's going to produce with those targets. He's going to get the short, the short you know, dump off throws and he's going to break them off because he's shiftier than hell. He breaks a ton of tackles. The most tackles broken in college football by a receiver last year. He's going to be a major part of this offense. He's got, like I said, I think he fights for a top 20 receiver spot this year, but I'm going to guarantee he's your flex play year, like week in and week out. You started with top 30, then you said top 20. Well, I said, I said he's top 30, but he's going to fight for a top 20 spot. I think he has that potential to be top 20, but I'm saying for sure top 30. I think second half of the season, that's definitely reasonable. It, it, I, I think his season will be very similar to uh, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's. Give him some time to get out there, get, get some game time going, and then he has some really like a very great second half of the year. This is this is where I this is where I differ on that because Amon Ross St. Brown was on a really bad team with a. Do Do you guys even know who was calling plays for the Lions last year? Because I sure as hell don't. I know who's calling plays for the Chiefs. It's Andy Reid, one of the best play callers of all time, one of the best play designers of all time. And he's making me off Dan Campbell. Wasn't he calling the plays? You know damn well Dan Campbell wasn't calling no offensive plays. That dude was a special teamer his entire career as it was. He likes to bite kneecaps off. (laughs) You can't design plays with someone who's trying to bite kneecaps. It's a defensive guy. Um, No, Sky Moore, I'm telling you, out the gate is going to turn heads. Well, uh, that would definitely be uh, a league winner, sleeper type, because at his ADP right now, he's going in round 12. So you might as well take a shot on him there um, if you if you feel the same. Um, but it's not going to cost you much if it doesn't work out, right? 
Uh, moving on to the running back situation. Uh, right now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is has an ADP of 60. Uh, that's running back 25 overall. Um, he finished as the running back 38 in 2021. Ronald Jones, who they brought in, has an ADP of 119 right now. That's running back 42. And in an article written yesterday uh, by NBC Sports Edge um, said that um, Ronald Jones is a legit candidate to win the starting job in Kansas City. Keith, uh, Chiefs coach Andy Reid said in March, Jones could be a major part of the offense. How are you guys um, breaking down this backfield, and are you taking a shot on e- either one of these guys? Um, I mean, actually, for both their ADPs, I think I would be willing to take a shot on either one. Um, but I will say I do like Ronald Jones more this year. I think we've seen enough out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that he's just not the guy. You know, he was a, a very popular first-round pick his, his rookie year, as Jim knows, because he took him and it kind of bit him in the butt. But I think Ronald Jones has shown that he has more potential in this league, and he's shown more production in the league at this point in their careers as well. So I'm going to Ronald Jones, especially, you know, in round 10 or 11 versus round six for CEH. Yeah, we will never let James live that shit down. <laughs> I will I will agree. Um, I mean, and maybe it's a bit of emotional, but I'm definitely not drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I, I still think <laughs> even at that cost with, you know, the dust that's being um, kicked up right now with Ronald Jones in town, um, Edwards there is definitely feeling the pressure in round five or six, which is where you have to draft him. You can still get really talented players there that are going to differentiate your team. Um, and that might be a ma- massive dud in the fifth or sixth round, which could absolutely tank your season. You know, we just talked about it taking a real difference maker at quarterback in those rounds, like Kyler, Lamar, Jalen Hurts. Um, you're going to take one of those guys, or are you going to take Clyde Edwards Alaire, who you know, to this point hasn't shown it. So I, I agree, Tyler. I mean, take a shot on Ronald Jones. Who knows? He could could be the starter week two, week three. I mean, it, it really could happen that early. So so yeah, let me I, throw this up uh, um, real quick. So in that same range that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going, you have guys like Brees Hall for the Jets, rookie, Damon Harris, who's shown some promise in New England, A.J. Dillon, who I know we're all in kind of concurrence that probably splitting carries with A.J. Jones this year. You also have a guy like Miles Sanders, um, who's coming a little after that. Like, would you take any of those guys over Clyde? Because I'm pretty sure I would for sure take Damian Harris over him. I would definitely take um, the rookies are a little bit more. I mean, Damian Harris, just because of the opportunity there, for sure. Miles Sanders, absolutely. I would take over him uh, without question. And, and A.J. Dillon, too, I would take over him. I, I think Miles Sanders. Um, sure, I would take all of them. <laughs> yeah, easy. really. I think well, they so. Got yeah, caller in Green Bay, right? Um, no. Well, they have a new offensive coordinator. Hackett, Hackett left, but Lafleur and Rodgers are calling the plays. Yeah, it's still Lafleur's offense. Ah, uh, okay. So I'm a little misguided, but I would definitely take Miles Sanders over him. Uh, Damian Harris, I'm a little iffy about now that Josh McDaniels is gone. I'm curious what the Patriots are going to do as far as being like traditionally a major running back by committee. But even with the committee, he finished with 15 touchdowns. So Damian Harris, super undervalued in my opinion. 
But I, I just want to drive this shit home about uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, I'm definitely more on the Ronald Jones side, like you guys are. Like even last year, like uh, between him, like Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Ronald or Ronald Jones, Daryl Williams, they average about four yards per carry, which is pretty low for Andy Reid offense. You know, he's always kind of been like the running back whisperer. So it, it, it seems like he is dealing with lesser talent. And in nine games, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had 23 total targets, which coming out of college, as we've talked about a million times, he's supposed to be that, that receiving prowess. That's wild. In nine yeah. games, 23 targets. Guys that can't even catch the ball if they're starting for their goddamn team, they get about the same amount of targets. And he's supposed to be able to catch the ball. But then in 16 games, which should have an asterisk on it because Daryl Williams is kind of you know split in time with Clyde when they're healthy, he had 57 targets. So, and Ronald Jones is a sneaky good pass catcher. Like he's definitely capable of it. So I'm definitely all I'm all about the Ronald Jones train on on the Chiefs right now. Me too. There's some sneaky running backs in that nine, ten, eleven range, like Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones. Some guys really deep that um, could really make a difference for your team. Uh, moving on, Broncos. The Denver Broncos, a lot of uh, movement here for this team. Well, at least, I guess, in, at one position. <laughs> uh, Broncos were 7-10 and 10 last year. They added, obviously, Russell Wilson uh, and brought back Melvin Gordon. Um, so let's start at the top here. Uh, Russell Wilson in Denver, how do you think he does um, in his first year? Right now he has an ADP of 73. He's the quarterback 10 going off the board. Um, I think he's gonna be great. I think he's gonna finish higher than what he's being drafted right now. I think it's kind of crazy, like him clearly going to an upgraded offense. Um, with he's gonna get more opportunity to throw the ball, has a little more command of the offense in general that he ever had in Seattle, and he's going quarterback ten. I mean, do you guys really think that there's nine other quarterbacks are, that will for sure finish ahead of him this year? Because I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm in agreement. I, I really think Russell has a big year, year one in Denver. I think if you miss out on, you know, the Kyler's, Lamar's, Jalen Hurts in the fifth, sixth round, look for Russell in the seventh round. I mean, he could legitimately finish as the number one QB overall uh, this year, I think. He has a shot. He's never finished below um, 16th in his career, which is kind of an asterisk. That's last year. uh, He missed four games. They had the the finger, which was clearly affected his accuracy for the last half of the season. So, yeah, that's I would say – that's an asterisk for sure. Yeah, and before that, uh, top 10 every single season, top five and more than half of those seasons, even his rookie year when he came in was like a third rounder from Wisconsin behind uh, – we're throwing it way back in 2012. Matt like Flynn. Matt Flynn. Yeah. Yeah, he Matt Flynn who just signed like, – who signed them to like an $80 million contract and then they released him the next season. Yeah, and he finished as quarterback 11 that year in his rookie year. So it, it he is definitely capable of it and – like you guys said, it's probably like one of the better offenses uh, for his skill set this year. I uh, as someone I'm looking at, I'm not really high on them because uh, I'm a Raiders fan, and I think the Broncos will finish last in the AFC West. But I am high on Russell Wilson. <laughs> well, that's a uh, little fantasy um, outlook there for you listeners. Don't draft with emotion. <laughs> Well, I still think he'll be good if he's available. Like, especially with his ADP, I'm de- as someone I'm definitely going to snag. The, the numbers don't lie. A horrible comparison. 
Is what? I said, unless Derek Carr is still available, right? <laughs> um, and honestly, they're, they're probably neck and neck to me this year, but fantasy wise. But it, <sighs> a weird fantasy comparison is Ezekiel Elliott, someone that like has finished top ten in their position pretty often, and is being undervalued this year. Injury yeah. is coming to play a little bit differently, but at the same time, it, it it feels kind of the same to me. People are like sleeping on them because of random things, different things between the, the two of them, but they both continue to produce throughout their, their entire career. Uh, let's move on to the Broncos' backfield. Javante Williams right now, uh, ADP of 16 overall. He's the running back nine currently. Uh, Melvin Gordon. ADP of 94, running back 33. So quite a, a large difference in ADP uh, for these two backs that essentially split time 50-50 down the middle um, last year. They brought Melvin Gordon back for another year. How do you guys feel about this situation? Is Javante too expensive right now? Um. God, I don't know. It's tough. I, I think Javante Williams should lead the backfield this year. But, I mean, it's not like Melvin Gordon's some fucking slouch, you know? Like, he's always been a productive, fancy back. Like, he's not the flashiest guy, but you can almost guarantee he's going to give you some kind of production. So, I guess when it comes to ADP, I would rather have Melvin Gordon. Not saying that Melvin Gordon's going to outscore Javante, but, like, the cost between the two of them is crazy. Where, like, Melvin Gordon in the ninth, could be a you know a pretty good flex play for you almost weekly, whereas Javante in the second, you could there's gonna be weeks where you see him fall out of like the top twenty rankings uh, because if Melvin Gordon's hot, they're gonna feed him the raw. Yeah, yeah I totally I agree. agree. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Trey. I guess we both agree, but so like the Broncos play caller supposedly, uh, unless I'm reading this wrong, it's Nathaniel Hackett, right, coming from Green Bay. Yes. Okay. So I don't know you guys say, you know, it's Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers setting everything up, but he was the OC. And so I dove into like uh, how Green Bay was approaching everything last year. And so they had 106 total targets for their running backs. And they had a really close snap count for their running backs. 543 for Aaron Jones, 441 for A.J. Dillon. But A.J. Dillon still finished with more rush attempts and one more touchdown. Obviously, Aaron Jones is a better receiver. He's going to get more uh, more targets. But uh, Aaron Jones finished with 30 more targets than A.J. Dillon, which makes sense because he's definitely a very capable receiver. But now going into the Broncos, where he's almost in the same situation with two very capable running backs, it, it seems like written in stone for me at this point that it's going to be almost like last year. Where we're, we're literally looking at almost like a 50% snap count, and this guy is finishing very, very similar to points. Which brings me to what Tyler was saying, that Melvin Gordon is great value. You know, you get him eight rounds later, and you're going to get almost the same point value. Yeah. No, I agree with you guys, man. I think that's the strategy. Um, if you take Javante in the second, you know, middle of the second, back into the second, like you're really banking on something happening to Melvin Gordon because otherwise your upside is going to be very, very limited as long as Melvin Gordon's there every single week. So I agree with you right now. I mean, I haven't been drafting Javante Williams at all in mocks or redrafts at all. Um, just too expensive right now for, you know, 
the hype is so crazy that he's, you know, his ADP is, is risen to where it is, but with Melvin Gordon still in town, uh, that's just too expensive. Yeah. Um, and Trey, Trey, I, I just want to put, I think that's a great comparison you make. Uh, obviously, you know, he came from green Bay, but if you look at it, I think we probably had a similar situation last year between Aaron Brown and AJ Dillon in terms of their ADP. We'd have to go back and look, but where they finished, Aaron Jones finished with 35 more points total than AJ Dillon did. And I'm sure you could have gotten AJ Dillon, Dillon 10 rounds after Aaron Jones. Wait, AJ Dillon was a late draft pick last year for sure. Yeah, or even a waiver wire guy, I think, in some cases. So, like, I think you're right. I think you, we could see something very similar where Melvin Gordon gets drafted, you know, 10 rounds, 8 to 10 rounds later than Javante, but it's only a difference of, you know, a few points per, per game over the course of the season. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. Like, let's just say he's not call, he wasn't calling the plays. Um, are, are you guys certain that he wasn't calling the plays? I mean, LaFleur is talking to Rodgers in the headset, but is, is he not, like, up in the booth calling the plays? You see what I'm it's, saying? It's, it's, definitely it's a, like a teamwork. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. at the very least, he saw what was happening and what worked, right? Green Bay got deep into the playoffs. Why would he not do at least replicate the same thing? His first yeah. year coaching, he's going to be like, okay, I can at least get into the playoffs with this kind of mindset as far as I approach my running backs. So I, I feel really good about Melvin Gordon knowing that Nathaniel Hackett's back there coming from Green Bay where they successfully used two running backs. Yeah, bottom line, NFL coaches could care less about your fantasy scores. Uh, they just want to win football games um, no matter yeah, how many running backs they <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about the receivers real quick. Uh, Cortland Sutton, ADP of 65, wide receiver 27. Jerry Judy, ADP of 61, wide receiver 25. Tim Patrick, uh, ADP of 158, wide receiver 62. What do you guys think of this receiving core? Um, I'll say this right now. I think Tim Patrick is being drafted way too low. I think that they have three receivers that could all finish relatively high. Um, I would take Judy first for sure. And I don't know. I'm not a big believer in Cortland Sutton. I know he's a big, you know, big play guy. Uh, he's a big receiver, huge catch radius. And he showed, and he showed some promise, but like off of the injury and things like that. I don't know. I have this weird feeling where Judy finishes number one and Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick are like neck and neck in terms of their production. I can kind of see that. Um, but you would know as a Seahawks fan, it, obviously way different offenses uh, under Pete Carroll, run-heavy run heavy offense. But what was like the past four or five years, Russell Wilson produced like essentially two top 20 fantasy wide receivers. He's obviously capable of it. Over the and, last, yes. Um, DK's only been in the league for three years, so. Okay, so over the last three years then, right? Two top 20 wide receivers. And now, you know, we got three or really two and a half, like, top talents. Like, people are really high on Jerry Judy. I think we're also on Jerry Judy, right? Like, that's, he's definitely someone to have on your team, right? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah. Right. So, and then when it comes to Cortland, I, I'm not sold on him either. But Tim Patrick, I'm less sold on. So, it's like one of these two guys got to be the one who eats. And yeah. people are high on, on uh, Albert O being the tight end. And... Uh, like I said before, a little bit of asterisk. 
new offense, blah, blah, blah. But the whole time he's been in Seattle, I mean, who, who's been a great tight end for him? It's never, like, been a thing for him. He's never really relied on his tight ends. He likes so tight ends in the red zone. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that is a little worrisome for any rush receiver is that when you get into the red zone, he really targets tight ends. Um, you saw it with Jimmy Graham, even with guys that are lesser, like guys like uh, Hollister. Yeah, Hall. Yeah, Hollister's a good one. Will Disley when he's actually on the field, like when they're in the red zone, especially within like ten yards, he really targets tight ends for whatever reason. Um, even though you have you know the six four like Greek god of DK Metcalf, you know, can, that can run a fade route. Um, you know, like he still went to the tight end. So that's the one thing that's a little concerning. But at the same time, Albert O has done nothing in the NFL yet, right? We don't know what he could be. So I think he's a complete wild card. If he's not, then I think there's a very good chance he's not as good as people are hoping he will be. And then that's going to go back to the three receivers making most of the touchdowns. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, I, I will say one more thing. I think it's interesting, like, Portland and Jerry Judy actually remind me a lot of kind of pretty similar almost to DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett in terms of play style and how they're built. Like, Cortland Sutton's also 6'4", bigger guy, not quite as built and freakish as DK, but still a really, really strong athlete. Jerry Judy, a little smaller, but quick, smart, um, shifty. So I think Russ is going to feel pretty comfortable throwing these guys the ball. I really don't think you can go wrong with those two and then take a shot on Tim Patrick. You know, it's like round 13, 14 that you're drafting him. So, you know, um, see what happens. If either one of the well, what, Cortland what or Jerry if, Judy goes down. What if Cortland Sutton's like that, though? What if he is like DK Metcalf? His – but, but his social media game built, isn't as strong. Similar. You just don't know. <laughs> He's built similarly, you know, in terms of size. Um, but well, DK went viral. What if Cortland Sutton looks the same, but he doesn't have the same following? Well, he does. I mean, definitely even, even 20 pounds <laughs> on. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are 9 and 8. <laughs> Or they were nine and eight last year. Um, everything really relatively the same here in LA, um, outside of them adding Isaiah Spiller. Um, I think in the fourth or fifth round in the NFL draft. Um, but let's start with the quarterback Herbert, ADP of thirty-seven, QB three. Is he going too early for you guys to take a shot? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I for me personally, yes, just because I don't draft quarterbacks that early. Um, but I think he's right there in that same, as we talked about with Patrick Mahomes, he's like right there. He has the ability to finish top three, uh, possibly, you know, for sure. I think he's almost a lock to be, you know, top five or six. But I mean, I, I, one of you guys said it earlier, right? There's, it just feels like quarterback is deeper this year than it's been in some time. Where I like, there's legitimately like fourteen or fifteen guys that could finish in the top ten, which seems crazy. Where normally it's like you can guarantee there's like seven or eight guys that do, and then there's a kind of some wishy washy guys. I just feel like the quarterback position is really deep, and there's not a need to take a quarterback that early. Yeah, for me, like 
if Herbert falls to the fourth, I'll consider it just because I really like him as a player, and I, I think he's going to probably have a, one of his best years yet. Um, I just think he's an incredible talent at the position, but uh, it's still a little too early for me, you know. Like I said, I would consider it in the fourth, you know, get you a couple of solid running backs and the elite receiver and then go ahead and, and take the elite talent at quarterback. But still, it's it's pretty expensive when there's just so many good quarterbacks, especially this year later in the draft. Yeah, I'm pretty much at the same mindset. Uh, the one thing that does excite me about Herbert is like uh, with this division being so high powered is really for a lot of quarterbacks in this division is you're basically guaranteed for, you know, eight games of the season or six games of the season that they're going to be in very high-scoring games. Or, you know, they should be in high-scoring games. Teams that have high-powered offenses, and I know the Chargers and Broncos are supposed to have, like, great defenses. The Chargers definitely do. But these should be high-scoring games. So you're almost getting, like, six pretty powerful games out of any of these quarterbacks. And that makes me... Somewhat agree with him being drafted in the third round, but I'm of the same mindset as you guys. I would rather wait for a quarterback and fall later in the draft and maybe finish with 20, 30 less points on the season. Yeah, and I will say this. We haven't gotten to the Raiders yet, but I think all four quarterbacks in the AFC West finished top 10 this year. I think all four of them are that good, and I I really expect that. I, I mean, we've if you listen to our previous episodes at all, I've been like a big Raiders like offensive guy this offseason. I think it's going to really explode with the addition of Josh uh, McDan- or Josh Daniels McDaniels of uh, Colin plays there, and uh, I think it's going to be great for Derek Carr. So I think they all finish top ten. I'd I'd almost put a lock on it. I'd be willing to put money on it. Honestly, go to the sports book. Yeah, <laughs> out of the eighty bets, like. Uh- it's a decent bet, right? Out of these ADPs, Derek Carr is going the lowest, 103. Herbert at 37. Dude, Derek Carr in the 10th round to me is the steal of a draft. Okay, let's get through the rest of the Chargers. Then we'll talk about <laughs> the Rangers, all right? Oh, we're going to get there. We're going right. to get there. Hold your horses, Trey. Uh, hold your horses. All right, let's oh, talk about God. the receivers in, in L.A. Um, Keenan Allen, ADP of 29. He's going as the wide receiver 10 right now. He finished as the wide receiver 14 in 2021. Mike Williams has an ADP of 52, uh, wide receiver 19. He finished as the wide receiver 10 in 2021. Your thoughts uh, on these two receivers? Yeah, I'll I'll start this off here. So um, those numbers can be like a little misleading in a way. Keenan Allen, uh, as we've talked about uh, plenty of times on this podcast, Consistently, very productive receiver, top 12 at the very least, I think, in the, you know, the last five or six years, and always has a low ADP. This might be his highest ADP ever, honestly, which is crazy this late in his career. And then Mike Williams, he finished the wide receiver 10, but this is someone who like lost you games last year if you're going into the playoffs. Very inconsistent, a bunch of big games early in the year. Um, with that being said, it's not like I'm – out on Mike Williams, but I'd, I'd much rather have uh, Keenan Allen for sure. But I, I would like to drop this little note while we're talking about the receivers. So when it, when it comes to the Chargers, obviously they heavily hate like favor two main receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. 
And last year they had Jared Cook, who's on the tail end of his career. I don't know if we, I don't even know if he's on a team this year. Did he retire? Did Jared Cook retire? I think he's a free agent. Okay, so he's on. He's a free agent, right? So he played sixty less snaps than Jalen Guyton, who was a wide receiver three as far as snaps goes and yards and all that. Still had more yards and touchdowns, which brings me to my question to you guys: Is would you guys be interested in Gerald Everett? Because once it gets past the two top receivers, if Justin Herbert's really going to be that guy, you know, throwing for that many yards, that many touchdowns, finishing that high in fantasy points. Once it gets past the first two wide receivers, obviously Austin Eckler is a huge bite into that, being a great receiving running back, and Isaiah Spiller, which we'll get into here in a second. But they added Gerald Everett from the Rams. Are you guys interested in Gerald Everett at all? Yeah, I am. Uh, Late in drafts, I think, um, you know, if you punt the position, you can probably take Gerald Everett with your last pick in the draft and take a shot on, on him having a year. Uh, attached to Herbert, going back to the tight receivers. End. I should say that tight end Gerald Everett, tight end. Yeah. Yep. Um, In case people don't know, <laughs> I'm just saying it. Yeah, he's he's a tight end, <laughs> um, which I usually no, do. Anyways, end. I usually punt the position. So um, you know, those are the type of guys that I'm looking for with the upside at the end of the draft. For the receivers, um, for me, give me Mike Williams. All day, every day. I've been drafting him like crazy in every single mock I do. Um, I'll take him as my wide receiver, too, all day after getting some elite running backs earlier in the draft. You're taking him in the fifth, sixth round. Um, He just got paid a bunch of money. I expect Mike Williams to have more consistency this year and have a really big year. Um, I like Mike Williams a lot. A lot, a lot in 2020. Would you take him over Keenan? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't draft Keenan, first of all, um, just too early for me um, without, you know, he's aging out a little bit. Um, I think Mike Williams is really coming into kind of his role as being a main contributor consistently. Um, and he's an elite kind of that freak athlete type of talent. So, yeah, I'm not drafting Keenan Allen. <laughs> I'm drafting Mike Williams, though, all day. That's my take. Interesting. Um, I'm still taking Keenan first. Um, the consistency for Keenan over the last five years is not matched. And that's over two different quarterbacks. That's going from Phillip Rivers to to Herbert. So, so round three. Last- ra- sorry, let me interrupt you real quick. Round Go three, you would draft Keenan Allen? Yeah. Because that's where you have to draft As- well, you said yeah. Mike Williams round six. He's ADP fifty-two. We're talking early fifth. If you're in a twelve-team league, that's fourth round. I said fifth, fifth or six. That's fifth round in, in a twelve-team league. Yeah, uh, it's early fifth, late fourth. You know how that shit goes. Everyone kind of gets weird. So, I mean, you're, you, when when it comes to Mike Williams, where you're drafting him, it's in that weird spot. It's like you're balancing, you know, consistent production over the ceiling. Whereas in the third with Keenan. You're drafting him, depending on what your what your draft would look like. You're potentially drafting him as your wide receiver two if you go with if you took a receiver like in the first round, right? And if he's your receiver two, that's insane because over the last five seasons, he's averaged 150 targets, 100 catches or 101 catches, 1200 yards, and six touchdowns a year. 
Like he literally, and if you look at his stats, it's they're almost identical year in and year out. It is insane how consistent he is. And then you go to Mike Williams, it's like up, down, up, down. You don't know what's going to happen week to week. And so if I'm drafting somebody as, you know, potentially receiver one, if you took two court, two running backs your first two rounds, but even as my wide receiver two, I still like that consistency week in. I can guarantee him versus Mike Williams. I would rather have him as a flex play, a consistent flex play for me, him with the, you know, up and down inconsistencies of him. I don't know. I just, I just can't get off Keenan yet. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And we're talking about Keenan Allen in the first, what, four or five years of his career with Phillip Rivers. Someone who could definitely sling the ball, but it's not Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert can definitely really sling the ball compared to the end of Phillip Rivers' career. So the only knock that's been on Keenan Allen this whole time fantasy-wise is he doesn't get touchdowns. Yeah. So why wouldn't it be this year where he finally breaks like kind of like that double-digit touchdown barrier? But at the same time, I could also argue against that, like kind of what James was saying, being on the tail end of his career. But I, I've talked about it a million times on this podcast, and I'll keep saying it every time I get the opportunity to. I'd rather have the consistent wide receiver than the boomer bust wide receiver. So once you get into the playoffs, man, you don't want you don't, you don't want to be starting somebody. You don't know if they're going to get twenty points or five. Like you don't want that. I'd much rather have the guy that's giving me fifteen every week. I'm with you on this. Yeah, a little bit. I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about Keenan Allen staying consistent and not getting those boom games out of him and the touchdowns. Um, I'm worried He's about the older Mike version of Brandon Cooks. What? He's the older version of Brandon Cooks. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not the problem, though. They're so consistent. No, I like, know. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I, I just, to me, it's an expensive price to pay for, for that, for what you're getting out of them. Um, to me, Mike it's Williams as, as your wide receiver two or your wide receiver three is much more attractive than Keenan Allen as your wide receiver one. I'll just say this for the listeners: James is in sales, doing his thing, doing real good. <laughs> And that's why he's saying this, all right? He wants a high ceiling, all right? And that's Mike Williams. It's definitely that Mike ceiling. That's the sales coming out on him. But Keenan Allen, that's a safe return, baby. It's a safe return. All right, let's talk about the running backs. Um, Austin Eckler right now, an ADP of two, running back two overall, according to Fantasy Pros. Um, And then they also brought in Isaiah Spiller, who right now is an ADP of 110 overall, the running back 41 overall. I'll give you guys my – or go ahead. You guys go ahead. You talk about these running backs. All right. Um, honestly, okay, I love Eckler. I'm not gonna, and I don't think Isaiah Spiller really takes much away from him, if any. I think he's going to be a good kind of relief back. Um, I think there's no issue with Eckler, as we can see his ADP being, you know, two overall at the moment. Now, personally, though, I think there's running backs I would take over Austin Eckler at two. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor's the number one back easily. But I don't know if Eckler's my number two back, honestly. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I have guys. I You have Derrick Henry, which I don't believe in a whole lot either coming off the injury and what 
well, that, and that, I mean, that's just me. But I think you you could take – I think I'd rather take, like, a Dalvin Cook or even maybe even a Najee Harris at number two versus Eckler. My, yeah, my only counter-argument to that is um, the, the Chargers in a bunch of preseason rankings, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's so high on the Chargers. So let's just say – that the Chargers finish as high as everyone anticipates and as strong as they're going to be with their strong roster, you know, they revamp defense, all that kind of stuff. If, if the Chargers are as good as everyone's saying they're going to be, they're going to be winning a lot of games, which means Austin Eckler is going to be back there running the ball. Somewhat. Obviously, they got the running back, you know, the rookie running back behind that, behind him, but it's... It definitely seems a little high for my taste. I'll be honest. On this podcast, we've been high on Austin Eckler for you know a couple of years, or not really on the podcast, but between the three of us, someone who's been undervalued for a long time. And it, it seems like everyone's finally coming, uh, they're becoming aware to it, and that's why the ADP is so high. They're just like, oh, look how consistent this guy is, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, well, first of all, he's been consistent for, you know, five years or so. Like, Yeah. It, I mean, it kind of feels Keenan Allen, in a way. It's like, that's why Keenan Allen's ADP is so high. It's like, oh, everyone's finally realizing that you can really draft this guy every year and you'll get what you get out of him. But Austin Eckler's ceiling is way higher than Keenan Allen's, even though I love Keenan Allen. So let me, so I mean, go ahead, James. I was just going to say, obviously, Eckler's still the guy there, um, but I am a little bit worried about his um, production this year. Uh, I'm not so much worried about Spiller outside of like goal line because he's a little bit bigger. I imagine, you know, they're going to give him some run in those types of situations. But Isaiah Spiller was a prospect that was supposed to be like a second, maybe even first round talent. And he fell in the draft all the way to 123 overall, the fourth round, um, and didn't have a super great. Um, combine i think his 40 was like a four six five or something like that uh really not impressive you know athletically in the combine and i don't know maybe that hurt him but when the nfl kind of backs off on a guy like that it really makes me suspicious you know that's what these guys are paid to do is is um scout talent and somehow isaiah spiller falls all the way down to the fourth round 123 overall I'm a little bit worried about him, um, but I'm also a little bit worried about Austin Eckler because Isaiah Spiller is a little bit more of a bigger body guy. And I think Eckler had 20 touchdowns last year. I expect that number to fall. I just don't think he can produce that again. You know, that's an outstanding number. Um, so at two overall, I think it is a little pricey right now for Eckler. I, I do think there's other running backs I would rather have. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my bad. <laughs> You're good. Uh, honestly, I, I think that's what I, I agree with Trey. I think Ecker in the last few seasons has been undervalued, but I feel like he's being overvalued right now. I wouldn't necessarily bring him at, up at number two. And Jim, I think it's curious that you think that Spiller could be some kind of threat, even though you ranked him as your fourth best running back coming out of college this year. And you have him right now probably ranked ahead of a lot of these other rookies that you didn't have him as to begin with. Yeah, dude, that was before the draft. <laughs> you know, I thought he was going to go higher, maybe to a better situation. Um, I didn't think he was going to be sitting behind Eckler 
So I don't know. You know, I I can see Spiller coming in on goal line situations and spelling Eckler there. But, you know, there's something to be said about him having not a great combine and and falling that far in the NFL draft. Um, I still I also I agree with you guys, though. I think Eckler is a little bit overvalued here. I don't think he reproduces the 20 touchdowns he did in 2021. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, and Spiller was ranked in yours also, Tyler, right? I mean, I think I had Spiller at three. No, you, we had, so you, five, right? you and I both had him at five. James had him at four. So, but I don't know. I just don't like the situation. I think Austin Eckler's too good of a back that Spiller's really going to dive into it. And even though Spiller's bigger, like we've all seen Austin Eckler's like Instagram and shit. That dude is 100% muscle. Like he's strong, he's strong as hell. He does crazy things in the weight room for the guy his size. So I don't see Spiller really cutting into goal line carries necessarily, just because he's you know a few inches taller, has a few more pounds on him. You know. So you think Eckler's the RB two overall? No, or- I think he's looking overvalued. But I don't think it's because I don't think it's because Spiller is taking into his carries. I think it's because I value other running backs more than I value Eckler just in general. That makes sense. I, 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 I'll just say this. I like Spiller as a, a, a nice handcuff. Yeah, his combines suck, blah, blah, blah. But all of us ranked him in our top, like, our top five for our preseason running back rankings for rookies. Obviously, we saw something that we liked with the tape. And I, I you know, the name definitely, uh, last name Spiller, helps a little bit. But the tape didn't lie, man. I like what I saw. But Wait, why is it last name? CJ Spiller wasn't a very good running back, and they're not related. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not saying they're related, but the last name does make me, you know, you know how it goes, man. You see shit, I'm a human, I'm dumb. Shit happens. So, yeah. dude, CJ Spiller was not very good in the, in the NFL. CJ Spiller was decent, especially on Madden, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> and I'll just say this, while you guys transition in the Raiders, I'll be back in 20 seconds. He's got some so, weird plan going on for this Raiders <laughs> out. I'm, I'm curious. There ain't nothing planned. Just do your thing. Transition. All right. All right. Let's move on to the Raiders. 10-7 and seven last year. Obviously, some big changes to the offense, uh, adding Devontae Adams into the mix. Outside of that, it's pretty star-studded with Adams and Waller and Renfro still there. Josh Jacobs is a conversation to be had. So let's get into the Raiders and the outlook uh, for 2022. I guess let's start at the top with uh, the QB and go talk about Derek Carr. ADP of 103, quarterback 13 off the board. I mean, you, I've, I'm already on record earlier in the episode saying I believe everyone in the AFC West is finishing top 10 for quarterbacks. And honestly, him going that late in any draft right now, I think is insane. I, I just don't understand the disrespect. I mean, Derek Carr has been good for a while now. He's always been a very consistent quarterback. And I just don't see him going that late in a draft. Or if he is, then like, shame on you, honestly. I think Derek Carr ends up having a very good year, and he's a top-ten quarterback for me, period. 
Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, with the talent around him, the opportunity, a, a new play caller in town that's, you know, been effective his whole career, um, I have to agree. I, I think he finishes top 10. I don't know if Trey knows that this – we're not posting the video portion of this, just the audio, so <laughs> everyone listening can't see what you're doing. Yeah, how to describe it? It's, yeah, I, I assume I assume the metaphor here is it's Raiders time. Is that what's going on here? It's my Raiders clock that I have in my living room. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's Raiders time, which it always is. Let me just step back a little bit. It's like a Raiders poncho. It's like a Raiders rookie jersey. Poncho, baby. <laughs> no shirt underneath. No shirt underneath. There we go. No, look at look at those rolls. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to thank uh I'd like to thank all the IPA producers in the country for producing these roles. <laughs> all right, give us your oh, yeah. thoughts oh, on your car and your poncho. Wow, I mean his poncho's itchy, honestly. So <laughs> uh I completely agree with Tyler. Uh top ten this year easily. New new coach, uh new play caller. Probably the best play caller that he'll have with him in his entire career. He's had four or five of them. And I I think it'll be a really good chance for him. Uh, maybe even top five, if I'm being honest. Like, we're talking the best roster he's ever had, also on top of the best play caller he's ever had. The potential's there. Like, he, he's, he's talented enough to definitely do that. And I think at his ADP right now, I mean, he's not even being drafted as a as a QB one right now. Like that's crazy. Um, these are the types of QBs that you can steal at the back end of a draft or round 10, 11, um, you know, and fill out your roster with with studs um, everywhere else. So I, I love targeting Derek Carr. You know, later in the draft for sure. Do you guys have the ADP? Uh screen pulled up because I do not. I mean, what, what quarterbacks have been drafted around him? Uh, yeah, honestly, boys, I'm like, quarterback 13. Yeah, you have guys like uh, Kirk Cousins, Trey Lance. So, uh, right on, yeah, on, on Fantasy Pros right now, Aaron Rodgers is QB 12. Uh, then Derek Carr is 13. Trey Lance is 14. Kirk Cousins, 15. Tua, 16. Justin Fields, 17. So... Disrespect. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm kind of sweating in this poncho. I don't know why people wear this in the desert because it's hot as fuck. <laughs> this is this must be this must be wool or something. But anyways, yeah, no, I I think it's bound to happen. Like I was saying earlier, it's such a competitive division. You already have six almost guaranteed games where you're getting you know twenty plus points fantasy wise, which is what you want out of your starting quarterback. All right. Yeah. Uh, Oh, Real quick, ahead. I think the addition of Devontae Adams, you know, his best friend and the connection they had in college, is actually being underplayed. I feel like people don't want to assume they're going to pick up what they did in college, but I think you can almost assume that. I think that connection, regardless of the offense, like you just you already have those little nuances of like how Devontae is going to run his route to know when to hit him. So I think that that's actually being underplayed at this point. Yeah, I, at the very least, I think, Tyler, to your point, um, it'll take them less time to get on the same page just because of that, um, 
you know, familiarity with each other. So I definitely think there's something to be said with, with that more, more than what people are giving it for sure. They're already on the same page. They've lived next to each other for like two months now. Yeah. Like, come on. It's, it sounds dumb, but it's uh, the way I compare it to obviously is the NFL. But it's like imagine playing like you know playground football with some dudes that you don't even like in a different grade, comparing to being like your homies. You you already know what it's about. You know what they're gonna be. You know how fast they are. You know how they catch the ball. Blah blah blah. Like it's I, I think it's gonna translate so well for him. So um, speaking of Adams, right now his ADP is ten overall. So still sitting at the end of that first round, um, you know, I've seen him go at the beginning of second round and stuff like that. It just depends on your draft, but uh, wide receiver four overall right now, he finished as the wide receiver three in 2021. Um, sounds like you guys um, still believe in Adams and being an elite wide receiver one for fantasy purposes this year with Derek Carr. Without question. Yeah, do you not? No, I, I'm just asking you. I've drafted <laughs> in our last mock. I drafted Derek uh, Devonte Adams um, at the end of the first round with the 12th pick. So, and I was very happy with that. If yeah, I don't think that'll change much as we get closer to the season. And you know, I'm okay with with taking Adams at the back end of the first and uh, banking on the talent and the camaraderie with uh, Derek Carr. Yeah, honestly, this is kind of a little bit of a segue here, but just off of base on ADPs, if you're, I think at this point, standard leagues are probably about 12 teams, right? If that is the case, there are now five first-round receivers based off of average ADP. You have Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, and then Stephon Diggs also all landing that first round. I don't think that's ever been said before for fantasy football drafts to have five wide receivers in the first round. That, that's crazy. No, you bring up a, a great point, honestly. I, when we were doing the mock drafts and I'd be looking at the ADPs, I'm just like, are you kidding me? This many receivers? I remember it was like two years ago, I saw two receivers in the in the first round. I was just like. And the, it was at the very end of the first round at that, you know. It was like 10, 11, 12, not, not fifth overall like Cooper Cup's going right now. It's crazy. I just think, I think it um, points to kind of what we've seen in the last few years of elite wide receiver play really separating teams um, in terms of fantasy. You know, if you have that elite wide receiver who, you know, wide receivers, as we know in the NFL today are allowed to do so much more than years past in terms of make plays, not worried about getting their head taken off across the middle, not getting hurt as often. Um, that's allowing wide receivers to really, you know, be elite and separate themselves um, and be a real differentiator for fantasy teams well let me yeah. bring it back real quick though sorry to interrupt you i'll bring it back real quick though to ronald jones being drafted so late as someone who could literally be an rb1 maybe one and a half you gotta put a little asterisk on that but adp 60 get him in the six he's gonna beat out edward Solaire. it's gonna happen so like it it I think all these wide receivers being drafted so high, obviously running back value has decreased, but it makes it almost makes it more exciting once you get later in the draft because you know you're going to get somebody who has a possibility of being that number one running back for their team, uh, maybe in like half of the teams in the league because obviously a lot of them are committed to running back committees. But it, it makes it exciting with running backs. 
For sure. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. When I'm saying it's crazy, it's not because I think it's actually crazy to draft a receiver that early at this point. I think it's crazy to see the shift and the way fantasy has gone. And as you guys will point out, like the, you know, receivers are allowed to do so much more and in, in ways to affect the game. And then the devaluation of running backs in general in the NFL to where you have so few workhorse running backs and you can't rely on them to draft them high in the, in fantasy drafts right now. So, and as Trey said, like, Ronald Jones in the sixth, like, I can't remember a time where you could get your, like, week in and week out RB2 in the sixth round. If if that if that was the case five years ago, your your team was in trouble. Ronald Jones is actually going, like, in round 10 right now. His ADP is 119 oh, overall. That's right. It was Clyde Edwards is going in the sixth, which is just wrong in general. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but, like, that's what you're – we're really talking about getting your – your RB two, you know, at in the round five, six, seven, eight, that's huge. I think if you can if you can do that and then still get two stud receivers in between those times, I mean, dang, I think a lot of teams are learning me sitting pretty. Are, are we uh, that far away from Rojo being productive? Like, was it last year or the year before before Fournette came onto the scene? Where Rojo, I think maybe it was last year, where Rojo was like very very productive. It was kind of, it was actually kind of the opposite. So two years ago, Ronald Jones was the lead back, and he got hurt, and Leonard Fournette came in and just blew up the playoffs, right? And then so going into last season, Leonard Fournette ended up being the starter, and at one point Fournette got hurt, and Ronald Jones came in and was very productive as well. So you had this like kind of flip flop situation in two seasons, but it just shows that Ronald Jones has the ability to be an RB one. Is he the Mark Ingram of twenty twenty two? If that even makes sense, like being slept on, someone who's very capable, and once he gets his chance to be a main carrier of the ball slash receiver, very productive. I mean, yeah, Mark Ingram from like three years ago. Yeah, I, I mean, that's not a, a, the, an awful, you know, comparison. It's a decent comparison. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Hunter Renfro, ADP of 83 overall, wide receiver 31 right now. He finished as the wide receiver 11 in 2021. Is Hunter Renfro being undervalued again? Probably. I mean, in the, in the simplest terms, probably. Uh, he's shown to be a really good slot receiver, and Derek Carr's connection with him is great. Um, they target him a ton in the red zone, which you wouldn't think of for, like, a small slot wide receiver. But because he's such so good at running routes, like, Derek, he's wide open, so Derek Carr hits him. Um, he's probably being undervalued. He probably should be being drafted a couple rounds earlier, but it's hard to say that when there's so many guys that are like super uber athletes and super talented. And so you just, you always see those guys shine brighter or you think they shine brighter than Renfro, but then Renfro just quietly goes out there, puts 15 points on the board week in and week out. And like, thank you very much. I'm going to the championship. So can I just say this with Josh McDaniels, We've made jokes about it in the past on our podcast. When it comes to white wide receivers, the <laughs> Patriots were the goats, right? They, you know, yeah. they found Wes Walker. Uh, they found why am I thinking of his name right now? Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan. Yeah. I mean, they, they've Chris had a Hogan doesn't really count, but yeah, definitely, like, yeah, Wes Walker and Julian Edelman, and now he's on the Raiders with Hunter Renfro. And I think that should be very interesting. 
But I was looking at the stats from last year. Obviously, very different personnel with the Patriots. But it's interesting to look at how he approached play calling or – well, he was play calling for the Patriots last year, right? So how yeah. do you approach play calling with the Patriots? So they heavily, heavily used two tight end sets, 734 snaps for Hunter Henry compared to their leading wide receiver had 904 snaps. But with the tight end, 734 snaps for Hunter Henry, 487 for Yano Smith. Then when it comes to the receivers, 904 snaps for Jacoby Myers, 557 for Kendrick Bourne, which is somewhat close. Yano Smith, 681 for Nelson Aguilar. I, I really think that the, the Raiders are going to lean on two tight end sets and lean on their dominant receiver. Not, not like Jacoby Myers was the dominant receiver for the Patriots, but, and let's be honest, they, they saw what they saw and they chose to use one running or one wide receiver for the majority of their snaps. We won't get into the running back committee because they had, you know, just a running back committee for forever, but it, it makes it interesting to me to think about how he's going to be used. Hopefully he'll be used like Julian Edelman and God damn it. I already forgot. Wes Walker. Here's a, here's an ADB check uh, for Hunter Renfro. He's being drafted right around guys like Elijah Moore, Allen Robinson and Adam Thielen. Do you take him over all those guys? Or is there someone that you like more than Hunter? There, man. I have to take Allen over him. I man, that that's that's such, I think that's a tough decision. You have Thielen, who is you know we know who he is. He's week in and week out. Like he's been so consistent for years. Um, and then you had then you uh, sorry, what are the other two names? Elijah Moore, who you know looked like he could be a stud at the tail end of the year for the Jets last year, and Allen Robinson. That's right. So I'm I'm I take Elijah Moore's like the last out of those four for me, just because I haven't seen it yet. Um, Allen Robinson, I think it has a huge comeback here. He we've he's shown being receiver number one, and he gets to go into an offense where he doesn't have to be receiver number one, which I think is huge for him. I don't know. I think it's a top between Thielen, uh, Renfro, and uh, Allen Robinson. I'm just I think it's a toss up. I think you can't go wrong, honestly. Because you're probably drafting him as your receiver two, maybe even your flex guy. I don't think you can go wrong with any three of those. Yeah, that's uh, like let me uh, that. Sorry, what were you saying? I said, oh, I was just going to say that's like around the seventh round. So you definitely have other you know receivers that you've already picked up by then. Okay, around the seventh round, that does make sense. But what what I was kind of circling around to with everything I said with like. You know, obviously the Patriots using heavily tight, two tight end sets most of their uh, most of the time that Josh McDaniels calling plays. Like obviously we have Darren Waller, one of the top five tight ends in the league, but behind them they have Foster Moreau, and this is a team I think we can all agree on. The Raiders are going to be in the red zone pretty often, and Foster Moreau is someone that everyone's really sleeping on. Someone who has had like you know five touchdowns on like thirty catches in a year very heavily using the red zone it makes me less inclined to draft hunter renfro do you kind of see what i'm getting at though like once they get into the red zone you get the two tight end sets you got you know you got the running back two receivers is hunter renfro really going to be like that other receiver out there it's 
and even if he is, you have all these big bodies. And it, at that point, you literally have four guys you can throw touchdowns to. Devontae Adams, Darren Waller. Hunter so what do, you Renfro, think that, uh, what do you think that means for Darren Waller, whose ADP right now is 43 overall? He's being drafted as the tight end five right now. I'm somewhat avoiding him because of how heavily they use two tight end sets. But it is encouraging to see that out of anyone on the Patriots offense last year, the second most snaps out of any receiving position, wide receiver or tight end, is Hunter Henry. But then you look at his stats, and it's pretty disappointing. Obviously, he's on Darren Waller. But I'm just saying it's going to be very interesting. The, The Raiders offense, to me, past Devontae Adams is a really big toss-up, and you're kind of throwing a dart, whether it's Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. I bring up Foster Moreau as kind of like a deep play, um, almost like a cuff if Darren Waller does get hurt because he did get injured last year. It's it's definitely a toss-up. And you got Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, they brought in Brandon Bolden. You know, it's it's definitely going to be very interesting. Devontae Adams is the only person on the Raiders I'm really, really sold on, which is crazy to say as a Raiders fan. Everyone else I would definitely be questionable about. But if I had to, Hunter Renfro is definitely the second person I would draft. But even then, I wouldn't be confident in it. I don't Are you guys kind of saying with everything that I'm putting out there? Honestly... No, only because I think you're overplaying Foster Moreau. Uh, I mean, when Waller got hurt last year, Foster Moreau came in and did about nothing. He had one game of of double-digit points, and even then, six, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Out of the seven games he started, six of them he had less than five points. What we're talking about is with a different play caller and a different offense. They didn't have a number one wide receiver, especially at that point once Darren Waller got injured. So the right. offense was up in the air. John Gruden had left. You have a special team coach, head coaching. It's it, it's definitely questionable. But what I'm talking about is, um, I, I guess I'm reaching back quite a few years, but you know on. 25 targets, Hunter Renfro had five touchdowns his rookie year. We're talking about a big-body guy who is capable of run blocking. So once you get into the red zone, you throw in a two-tight end set, this is a guy who is capable of getting it done. That's what I'm saying. That's why I, I'm okay with Renfro. I just I think you're undervaluing him because of some guy who hasn't actually shown he can even be on the field for half the, half the snaps of Foster Moreau. I mean, he had a chance to be the guy last year, and he proved he wasn't. So I think you're overvaluing Moreau and you're undervaluing Renfro at this point. Yeah, but I, I, well, I do agree with you on Waller. I will say, um, in my in my opinion, I do agree with you on Waller. I think that price to pay in the fourth round um, for Waller is just a little too pricey for me. Um, I'm someone who usually punts that position anyways because, like, you know, you can take your shot on who you think is going to be an elite separator. There's always one or two at the position every year. But for me, I'd rather go get a solid running back or a solid receiver that I know is going to be a contributor to my team rather than, you know, gambling on a tight end who's going to be in and out, you know, week in and week out. They're not going to give you uh, consistent 
fantasy finishes every single week, at least not enough to really separate themselves and, and really make a difference for your team. So for me, round four, Darren Waller's too expensive. He, he definitely is. Uh, and, and the only reason I say that is because of the two tight end history with Josh McDaniels. I'm not saying Foster Moreau is going to like really be that guy, but if Darren Waller gets injured again and they're running that run-heavy offense, two or three wide receiver sets, it's it, he could be someone like put him on your watch list, Foster Moreau. That's all I'm saying. One last point on that. I mean, I know you bring up his usage of two tight end sets, you know, which is common with what Josh Manning's done, but it only ever really worked for a couple of years when he had Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Outside of that, like, look at last year. He had Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith did jack the entire year. He got paid so much money and did absolutely nothing with it. So just because he likes to run two tight end sets doesn't mean that the second tight end is worth being on a roster or is there more than just a blocker anyways. All right. Maybe my age is wrong, but as far as how these players go, but that's him taking advantage of two very athletic young tight ends. And that's what the Raiders have. Let's wrap up with uh, the backfield here. Josh Jacobs, uh, 38 uh, ADP overall. He's running back 17 right now off the board. How do we feel about uh, this backfield and, and Josh Jacobs' outlook for 2022? Oh, man. I've said it a couple of times. It could be the sleeper of the offseason. I'm telling you. it's His ADP is so low for someone who could be possibly RB1 for the team. I mean, RB17, third round slash early fourth round, you know, however that goes in your drafts, ADP 38. This is a guy that I feel like I'm beating a fucking dead horse at this point. Has When he's healthy, he's leading the league in all the cool running back stats. Broken <laughs> tackle, yards after contact, all the cool shit we want to see, you know, uh, He's up there with like Nick Chubb and guys like that, but he doesn't get the same respect. And last year, he really, really struggled. He played the whole year injured, missed a couple games being injured. He came into the league undersized, coming out of Alabama, obviously, you know, in top powerhouse in college. Undersized but, at 220? What's that? I said undersized at 220? He's short, though, right? People like, like people kind of share on him. Five ten, two twenty, right? Kind of small, at least compared to some of the top running backs. Either way, definitely undervalued. And when he is healthy, he is capable of being an RB one. But it does scare me away with Josh McDaniels being there. He brought in Brandon Bolden from the Patriots, someone he coached for years. Kane Drake is there, who is definitely very capable. But if they end up going towards a running back, like a one running back strategy, he could finish top 10 easily. Yeah. Honestly, Josh Jacobs is the one guy in this offense that I'm not really sure where to put him. And it's because of the addition of Josh McDaniels. I mean, you talk about him liking using using two tight end sets. Look at their his history of using committee backfields. Um 
And now I will for, for sure say that like Josh Jacobs is by far should be an RB one in this offense. But I feel like the way McDaniel's history has gone and his consistent usage of committees, I think Kenyon Drake and Brandon Bolden eat too many carries away from Jacobs to solidify him really as an RB two, even though I think he should be, I think, I think Trey's correct. I think if he gets the lion's share of the workload, I'm talking about, you know, 85, 90% of the carries, he's going to be, he could, you know, top 15 for sure, uh, push for a top 10 guy, but I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity. Um, and that's the only reason why I'm worried. I would take a flyer on Josh Jacobs, especially where his ADP's at, but I'm not going to sit here and say, I guarantee you he's going to be, you know, one of those top guys like that. ADP check. Would you rather have Josh Jacobs or James Conner? James Conner. Josh Jacobs. James Conner for me. Would you rather have Josh Jacobs or J.K. Dobbins? Dobbins. Ooh. J.K. Dobbins. Would you rather have Josh Jacobs or Elijah Mitchell? Josh Jacobs. Uh, I'm going to lean Mitchell, but I don't love it. It's Mitchell for me as well. Josh Jacobs or Miles Miles Sanders? Man. They're both tough, too. Jacobs just just can't seem to be healthy. This one's the biggest difference. It's Josh Jacobs is at 41 overall, and um, Miles Sanders is at 68 overall. I mean, at ADP, I'd rather have Miles Sanders. In terms of, like, where they finish the year at, I think it's really close. So, I guess, though, for ADP, it's Sanders. All right, all right. Let me just say this. Let me just say this before we move on here. So, last year on the Patriots, Josh McDaniels being the play caller, right? And we've talked about it a million times. The Patriots running back by a committee for forever. As long as we've been alive, it feels like since, like, Corey Dillon. But... No, that was the last... last, They had a workhorse. Right? That was the last one they really did. They've had them, but, you know... They don't really get into it. So last year, Damian Harris had 393 snaps, 200 attempts, 15 touchdowns. Brandon Bolden had 330 snaps, 44 attempts, one touchdown. A lot more receiving work, 40 receptions, 400 yards, two touchdowns. Ramondre Stevenson had 233 snaps, five touchdowns. And what I take away from that is... They spread the ball around if they want to get into a committee, or Josh McDaniels does, if, that, if he's really the one in charge of deciding those kind of things. But when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, they know who they want to use. Damian Harris, 15 touchdowns. And all three of those guys average at least four and a half yards per carry. So when they want to use their running backs, they're definitely very productive, and they're getting yards, but they know who they want to use when they want to score touchdowns. And I think that'll be Josh Jacobs. I mean, that's certainly the upside with Jacobs is that, like, out of the other two guys back there, he's definitely the goal line work guy. It's not even a question. All right. Four and a half for carry? Come on now. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, granted, your offensive line kind of sucks, so we'll see how that goes. It's better than last year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
All right, we got to shut this thing down. Um, thank you all for listening. And if you made it to this far into the episode, uh, we appreciate it very, very much. Hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Um, engage with us there. We also post all of our shows there. Um, and next week, we'll be covering another division. Don't know which one yet, but we will. Uh, do something very similar to this, comparing ADPs, who we like more or less. Um, so look forward to that and we'll catch you later. Why are ponchos this hot? <laughs> <laughs>